We'll hear an argument this morning in Case 14-275, Horn v. Department of Agriculture. Mr. McConnell. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, thank you for being willing to hear this little case a second time. It does involve some important principles and the livelihoods of Marvin and Laura Horn, and more indirectly, hundreds of small uh, California raisin growers will be profoundly affected. This is an administrative enforcement proceeding that was brought by the Department of Agriculture against my clients, commanding the relinquishment of funds connected to specific uh, pieces of property, uh, namely reserve tonnage raisins. My clients appear in their capacity as handlers, uh, but under their — in the particular facts of this case, uh, the economic circumstances are somewhat different than are ordinarily uh, true. Uh, in, in this industry, because as handlers, uh, the Horns actually assumed uh, the full uh, financial responsibility for the raisins uh, that were uh, not turned over to the Department of Agriculture. Uh, the producers in this case were fully paid uh, for their raisins. This is a factual finding to be found in the Judicial Officer's uh, opinion at 66A of the appendix to the, to the uh, petition. The Horns uh, paid the producers for their raisins. Uh, according to the Judicial Officer, those raisins became part of the inventory uh, of the Horns. Uh, the, when the uh, Raisin Administrative Committee, which I'll refer to as the RAC, uh, came after the raisins. It was the horns and the horns only who bore the economic burden of this uh, taking. I thought, uh, that, I thought <coughs> the growers were um, paid only for the volume that they were permitted, that was permitted, the permitted volume, and that they were not paid for what uh, is, goes in the reserve pool. Uh, Justice Ginsburg, that is true in the ordinary course. That was not true in this particular case because of the unusual business model uh, of my clients. These producers were paid the, for all of their raisins. Um, are you objecting to the volume limitation, or is it just that the, uh, the, the reserve pool that you find uh, we believe that a volume limitation would be a use restriction. It might possibly be challengeable under the Penn Central test, but it is, would not be a per se taking. In this case, because the government, the RAC, which is an agent of the Department of Agriculture, uh, actually takes possession, ownership of the raisins, uh, it, is that, it is that aspect of the case which we're challenging. But that's the what's taking. So, so puzzling, because if, if you're not challenging the volume limit itself, you can't sell more than 60 percent of your crop. That's correct. And what happens to the rest of it? You're uh, not going to be able to feed your family on the rest of the 40 percent. In, in the ordinary case, the uh, reserve percentage, which in one case was 37 percent, uh, and uh, in the uh, was 30 percent, and in the other case, 47 uh, percent is uh, is handed over uh, to the Raisin Administrative Committee. But if it wasn't, if, if we just had a volume, uh, you cannot sell more than X amount. Then um, I take it that the grower would get nothing, nothing at all. At least with this reserve pool, there is the possibility of getting some money. Well, it, it all depends. The way volume controls generally work is that the owner of the produce is permitted — they have to hold back a certain amount in the reserve, and then they're permitted to sell uh, that reserve as the market conditions continue. In this case, of course, the RAC uh, sold the raisins, in some cases even above uh, the field price. Uh, there was a market for the raisins, so I would assume that volume controls under these economic conditions might have left the, uh, uh, these particular uh, 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 people uh, better off uh, than under the current So what you're complaining about is the administrative expenses? I, I still don't understand why this makes this a Penn Central case as opposed to a, a per se taking. You've You've given up on this being a Penn Central case. We have never claimed that there was a Penn Central case. And so, basically, you see a nexus between the regulation and its purpose. Uh, we do, but more fundamentally, this is an actual transfer of 
the raisins themselves to the government. This is uh, the government. How is this different than Leonard? Well, Leonard involved uh, oyster shells, which are owned by the state. They're wild animals. They're the property of the state. Uh, and the oystermen had no property interest in them other than uh, what the state chose to uh, license them to uh, harvest. Gosh, is that really true, Mr. McConnell? I mean, when these uh, fishermen took the oysters, the oyster, you know, including the shells from the bay or other waters, you know, they could then sell the oysters. Why weren't the oyster shells theirs at that point? Uh, they have whatever property interest the state of Maryland uh, uh, provided for them, and the state of Maryland withheld uh, the 10 percent of the oyster shells for the purpose of essentially fertilizing the, uh, the, the oyster I mean, bed. I guess I, I would have thought that as soon as they bring the oysters out of the bay and they haul their catch to shore, that what they've hauled to shore is then theirs. Uh, except for the 10 percent that the state reserved, yes. Well, so I guess what Justice Sotomayor's question is, is why wouldn't the same be true as to raisins? Because raisins are not wild animals, even if they're dancing, and <laughs> they did not originally belong to the federal government. Uh, so you think that Leonard is, is, is an animal's case as opposed to a, you know, the state can tax your property case? Uh, yes, I do. By the court. They the, called it a tax? Um, they did also call it a tax, and I'm perfectly happy to address whether this is a tax, uh, because under this court's uh, standards for criteria for determining a tax, this certainly is not one. Uh, referring to the criteria in the NFIB case, this is not in the Internal Revenue Code. It's not collected by the Internal Revenue Service. It's not authored. The ta- there's no tax authorized by, uh, by Congress. The proceeds of the tax do not go into the general treasury. Uh, this is not they, a tax. But it didn't happen that way in Leonard either. What the Court was basically saying is the government could do this because this is a good in commerce. As long as it could meet the Penn Central test that there is some nexus between the government's goal and the uh, and the regulate and, and and the regulation, then it's okay. Now there, they used it to fertilize oyster ponds or to refertilize the oysters. Here, they're doing it to maintain prices and giving you whatever left whatever is left over on the reserve. The fact of the matter is that the oysters belong to the state of Maryland, and when the state of Maryland decides to allow fishermen to harvest the oysters — Could you tell me where in Leonard that was discussed? Uh, it's — I'd be, be very happy to file a supplemental brief with the Maryland uh, 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 citations indicating that the oysters belong to the state of Maryland. I thought that the — what the Constitution required for a taking — was just compensation, not not a reasonable nexus to a a good policy. I'm, I'm wrong about that. Uh, you are not wrong about that. I think so, um, but I, I suppose that question underlying the government's briefs, and it's well, we can ask them what its position is, or you can characterize their position as, if if you choose. Is the thing since we could do this other ways? What difference does it make? Mm-hmm. Do you understand to, that to be their the, an, an underlying premise in their argument, or is, is that unfair on my part? Well, uh, they certainly say that from time to time, and this court two years ago in Kuntz rejected arguments of that uh, of that sort. But in fact, uh, there is a fundamental difference between a volume control which is present for a number of our agricultural products versus the taking, because in this case, the government literally takes possession of the raisins. It can use the raisins as collateral to get a loan. It can give the raisins away. If it that, can sell the raisins. Position, why didn't you ask this? You're attacking this reserve arrangement and the, the possession, the government's possession of the raisins themselves. And you, as far as I've heard so far, you are not attacking volume limit. You cannot market more than X amount. Why didn't you then ask the Department of Agriculture for an exemption from the reserve 
pool. Instead of, see, what you're trying to do now is to get rid of the volume limit as well. Uh, in this particular program, there's no, there is no separate volume control in the sense that there, there's no regulation that tells either producers or handlers how to use or sell raisins. Instead, they are told to set aside the raisins and give them to the government. So here there is a taking, and — But the part that isn't given to the government, suppose we just — couldn't you have asked to excise that part of it and still leave the limit on the amount that could be marketed? I mean, there's, we have a division between what goes in the reserve and what can be marketed. Well, Justice Ginsburg, the way this case arose is that the Department of Agriculture came after my clients. We did not uh, — this is not our lawsuit. The Department came after our it clients. Is, your, is it a is it counterclaim? It's, it's a, it's a defense. defense. It's a defense. Uh, the, the, the Department says, give us either raisins or their monetary equivalent, and we say that's not constitutional. If, if there was a taking, would there be any obligation on your part to propose an alternative to the taking? The government comes and takes your property. Can't you just resist the taking without saying, oh, government, you can do this in another way. Please do it in a different way. You don't have to do that, do you? Uh, we do not, and I'm not Thanks. sure that any alternative ways would even be permitted under the regulations. So, so I, my question is, uh, uh, I, it goes on from this. I mean, m maybe the answer is, well, just don't decide that. But, look, I assume with you for the moment, for argument's sake, I have some raisins in my basement. I'm in this program. The government comes with a shovel and some burlap sacks. It takes the raisins. So I would say, well, sounds like a taking to me. At the next point, the Constitution doesn't forbid takings. It says what you have to do is pay just compensation. Now, it's at that point I want to know what happens, because I guess the government could argue, look at this program. It's a big program. This program, what it does is it gives raisin farmers, at the public's expense, more money. So if, in fact, you don't want us to take your raisins, all right, fine. But there would be no program if everybody said that. So we have a rule against free riders. Now, we'll give you what it costs you to take your raisins. What it costs you is, in fact, the difference between what you receive given the program and what you would receive without the program. That difference works in your favor. It gives you money. It doesn't take money. So there is no compensation due. In fact, if we were to have compensation, you should pay us the government. So how are you going to get by that part? And if you can't get by that part, how are you going to avoid paying the fine? See, I don't see the relation between the taking argument, which is maybe all we have to decide, and how eventually you either get some money or you don't have to pay the fine. If you have a minute, I'd appreciate just the explanation. I, I would love to. Yeah. Um, the, there's both a, both a conceptual and a practical yes. response. Let me give the practical response first, mm -hmm. uh, which is that my clients are certainly not uh, better off. By the Secretary's own calculation, the price of raisins was $63 per ton higher with the volume controls uh, than it would have been in an unregulated market. Mm -hmm. uh, the field price that year was $810 per ton. Mm -hmm. Taking away 30 percent of their raisins uh, does not end up with the — with my clients better off as a result of the pro program. Quite the contrary. Uh, they, they, they lose money. Uh, we have the calculation in our uh, — I, I don't want to interrupt you because you're going to get to the theoretical argument as well. But wasn't, isn't the response to, that, well, the price that you just quoted is because of this program, uh, and that's circular, or am I wrong? No, no, you're, the, the, by the Secretary's own calculations, $63 of that 810 is attributable to the volume controls in the program. Only $63. Except I, weren't we told that the demand for raisins is inelastic? So if you glut the market, you're going to have what happened um, before the RCA. Well, it's You're going to have uh, prices dropping. It is. That's the, that's the purpose of free competition, isn't it? Actually, under today's conditions, the elasticity is not as enormous it would, as it would need to be 
uh, for this to be a profitable Well, that's today, program. but you haven't paid a reserve in years now. Uh, well, we're talking um, — when I say today, what I mean is the two so years — one of your arguments could be — I get is, your argument. Yeah. — is, is, uh, Now, the conceptual point is that this is a per se taking, and it's if, — if there were benefits, such as I don't believe that there were, if there were, that would at most go to whether there was implicit in-kind in uh, compensation for the taking, which would go to the uh, — to the question of compensation. Exactly. Um, Implicit in-kind compensation is a complicated matter. It has to do with whether there were special benefits, uh, that uh, there's a split all over this, all over the country on that. I don't think we want to get into whether this would be a special benefit. Okay, so what we should say in your view, do you have any objection to my writing if I were to write it like this? Taking. Yeah, it's a taking. Okay. But the Constitution forbids takings without compensation. The object of the program is, at least in general, to give farmers more compensation than they would have without it. Programs can work badly, uh, sometimes are counterproductive, but if this is working well, that's what happens. So we send it back to the Court to see, did the program work well? Did it work to actually make your, your client better off? Uh, what rules do we follow? That's how we should do this, in your opinion. Um, I think not. Now, if no. I — but I'm close to there. If this were an eminent domain proceeding, then the lower court would determine whether there was implicit and kind contribution. If it were an inverse compensa uh, compensation uh, proceeding, uh, uh, possibly the same. But this is actually an enforcement action. It is specifically guided by the regulations uh, in in the 7 CFR. And under those regulations, we know exactly what takes place. And implicit in-kind contribution is not provided for uh, in those regulations. What is provided in those regulations is that the uh, — if reserve pool raisins are not handed over to the RAC, uh, the handler must pay uh, — uh, multiply the number of raisins uh, by the field price, and that is it. Now, that is also the measure of the value of the raisins, uh, so that if they take that, um, the compensation is exactly that, and the two things simply are a wash, because the regulation — and I think the broader principle here is that this is actually not a program which is designed to provide compensation. The government almost concedes this. This is not uh, — this is not like getting land for a post office where the government intends to pay. This is more like a program like like a Kaiser Aetna or some of the others where if it is a taking, the government has no intention of paying a compensation. That's not the kind of program Mr. it is. And in cases — just, may I just uh, in cases where there's a pro there's a taking and the program does not contemplate compensation, the standard judicial remedy for that is to uh, is to uh, forbid the taking. Can I take back, Mr. McConnell, to the whether it is a taking point? And I, I've just been trying to uh, think about whether your argument would apply to other kinds of programs and how it might apply to other kinds of programs. So. Um, how about just uh, programs where the government says, uh, give us — produce records for us? I'm sure that there are a lot of programs like that in the world. And there is something intuitive about your saying, well, the government is asking us to turn over stuff. And I'm wondering — it seems to me that the government asks people to turn over stuff all the time in the form of records. How would that uh, fare under your argument? Um, if the — if the records — if what the government is asking for is information, this is not going to be a taking. If the records are themselves of historical value, as they were in Nixon versus uh, General well, Services Administration, and they want to put them in the museum, I then they have to pay for I don't historical value. They're just physical objects, in the same way the raisins are physical objects, and the government wants some records. Uh, the government does not take permanent possession of records. If I'm, say, in an IRS audit and they ask me to show uh, records to establish my uh, tax deductions, I show them the records, they see the information, it is not a taking. No, but — so you're saying that the government couldn't ask you to deliver records to them? I did not say that. They can ask me to do that. And it is not a taking unless they've taken a sort of a permanent possessory 
interest. If they go off and sell the records the way they sell the raisins, then I — They're then just keeping the records. Them. They're keeping the records. If they're keeping the records forever, I, I'm not sure, but I doubt very much that that would be a taking. Again, again the value, if the value of the records is the information, which is what I assume it is in a regulatory program, we're not talking about actual uh, physical — Well, there, there are cases on custodial legis. The government all the time, in criminal cases, takes control of valuable objects for evidence and sometimes it keeps it forever and ever. And in those cases, I think there is a taking if it's too long. I think we said that. Or I think other courts have said that. Um, uh, I, in other I, words, the government can I keep it only so long as is reasonably necessary for the case. You, you have a valuable diamond ring, which is evidence, and the government keeps it. Uh, but it keeps it only for so long as well, it I, I think that there are complicated sets of rules having to do with contraband and having to do with property that is used as an instrumentality of a crime uh, and so forth. But this is extremely far afield from raisins, which are a uh, which are a valuable piece of property. If, 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 if sells, because I'm trying to understand why it's far afield and what it's far afield from. I mean, you even said, well, information is no problem, but people have property interests and in information all the time. And if the government says you have to give us that information, which counts as property, why is that not subject to your rule? Information can be property when it's intellectual property. For example, uh, 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 trade secrets uh, can be property. Uh, I don't think ordinary records such as the IRS demands from taxpayers is a taking. Santo case, where we said the turning over of um, trade secrets, which is property, you've just admitted that, um, for the privilege of selling other commodities, the pesticides, was okay. Wasn't the taking. How do you deal with that case? Uh, There's broad language in that case, which this Court cut back upon in Nolan versus California Coastal Commission. Uh, In in Nolan, uh, the Court uh, held that uh, Monsanto could not stand for the proposition that it is an affirmative benefit uh, to someone simply to allow them uh, to use their property in an, in an ordinary sense. There has to be an actual affirmative government grant uh, of a benefit uh, for the condition getting uh, work. Getting $63 more a pound for what you sell seems like a significant uh, benefit. They are not given — the $63 results from volume controls. Uh, that does not require a taking. The taking itself is of absolutely no value uh, to the producers or anyone else other than this, those who receive the export subsidies from the sale of the raisins. They're the only ones who benefit from, uh, from the actual But taking. you couldn't do it. You would have a product that would be valueless, except for that which you could eat at home. But you didn't intend to eat it at home because you gave it up for sale. Uh, if, they, if they gave you the raisins — would you be able to export them and get the government subsidy? Um, if they uh, — my, my clients are not actually in the uh, export business. Uh, if, the, if my clients were selling raisins for export, they would be entitled to receive a por- the, the export subsidy, but that's not the business that they're in. My point is just you couldn't otherwise sell this commodity. If all they did was put it in the House and say to the producers, sell 60 percent this year, what would you do with the raisins? Uh, well, the way — just sit there. The way other programs with volume controls work is that uh, there's an initial reserve, and then as market conditions develop and more information is available, uh, the — uh, owners of the product are permitted to, to release more and more into the market. And, and in these but particular — suppose the market goes the other way. Well, that would be a different uh, — that would certainly be a different case. And, and if it went completely the other way, it could well be that the, uh, that the owners of the raisins receive no uh, money at all. Uh, but that's still — it's still a restriction on their use. The raisins haven't been taken from them. Uh, in this case, the raisins are actually taken from them, and the government sells them. In fact, 
in, in one of these years, the government was able to sell the raisins for more than the field oh, price it's because still, of the that. The curly cue on this, I've, I've, you've helped a lot in my thinking, uh, but there's still what we do about this fine. And the reason that I'm — it's maybe just a curly cue on the case. But, but the way I'm thinking of it, imaginary plan, I don't think I'll ask it. I'll figure it out myself. I want you to reserve it. <laughs> Thank you. If there are no further questions, I'll reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal. Thank you, Counsel. <coughs> Mr. Needler? Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, petitioners isolate just one feature of a comprehensive program regulating the commercial marketing of a fungible agricultural product, a regulatory program that was established with producer approval and is established for their benefit. It is a cooperative program among the Secretary, producers, and handlers. The raisins are not um, uh, put into the program for the benefit of the government. They are put into the program for the benefit of producers, uh, and they enter the stream of, com- of commerce. In fact, a producer is affected by this the, program. These plaintiffs are ingrates, right? You're, you're, you're really helping them. That, that, it's that, for their benefit, and, and, and they wanted this, didn't they? That these petitioners do not want the program, but the program was established on the premise that it is for the benefit of the It's one little feature of an overall program. That little feature happens to be the taking of raisins. Uh, I, we, I mean, you can have a lot of features. Uh, there's no objection to having many features. But we, where one of them is a taking, you, you have to justify it by just compensation. The, the question is whether it is a taking, and we believe it is we believe used it's to not. Say, you used to say it's not a taking if it involves just personal property, only real estate. Are you still that, — that, that The government not, has abandoned that position. That, that has not been our position. We have, we, have, uh, we have not argued that personal property is not subject to the, to the just compensation clause, such that if, there, if the government came in and, and, and took someone's car, Your someone's raisins — well, the, the government has not taken the race. Let me, let, let me just — if I could um, set this up and explain how it operates. This program operates only when the producer, the grower, has voluntarily submitted — committed the raisins to the stream of commerce. They have been put in — they have been put into the stream of commerce. They are turned over to the handler. The marketing order regulates only the conduct of handlers. Well, the, 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 the government can, can prevent you from putting something into the stream of commerce, can charge you for putting something into the stream I, I think that the, the government can attach reasonable conditions on entering the stream of commerce. Including that, taking. Including no, taking. That, 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 I think, is the lesson of Monsanto, well, which, I think, which I think — It's an unconstitutional condition, isn't it? No, taking no. without just compensation would be an unconstitutional condition for putting something into the stream of, stream of commerce. But it, it — uh, that analysis would apply if there was a taking — on the, on the Nolan-Dolan analogy, for example. Hey, is, there what any, would be, is there any limit to that argument? There's some examples in the briefs that are pretty startling. Could the government say to a manufacturer of cell phones, you can sell cell phones, however, every fifth one you have to give to us. Or a manufacturer of cars, you can sell cars in the United States, but every third car you have to give to the, to the United States. I, th- I think that would present a very different question. Why would it be, di- why would it be different? Because, because this, is, this is part of a comprehensive regulatory program that, if, that if, it, it isn't just uh, acquiring it. In well, fact, sure. it's so, acquiring so, so you say if the government took all GM's cars, then it would be okay? No. But just not a third? No, no. We are not saying that at all. And if, if, I, if I could just — Well, but just before you do, I mean, the, the — Rationale. I mean, the government can come up with a rationale to justify those examples really easily. You say cell phone providers benefit greatly if there's a broader cell phone market, if more people are using them. So we're going to take every fifth one and give it to people who might otherwise not be able to afford uh, a cell phone. And that will help cell phone manufacturers, because more and more people will have them, more and more people will want them. Therefore, it's okay. That's the same rationale you're applying here. This is for the good of the people whose property we're taking. Well, it — the, these programs go back to the 1930s when the agricultural industry in this country was in serious trouble, and particularly in California. Prices were below costs of, of production. And, and you can do what you've done in most other marketing orders, which is not take the raisins. Instead, say, look, you can only plant, you know, 63 percent of your acreage this year, or you can only produce 
you know, 28 tons. That's how most of them work, and most of them thereby are, I presume, analyzed under Penn Central. This is different. This is different because you come up with the truck and you get the shovels and you take the raisins, probably no. in the dark of night. No. Uh, that, that, is not what, that is not what the government does. The, 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 way, the way the order operates is that the producer submits the raisins to the handler. The handler then divides them into two categories. The handler is required by the uh, order to maintain and separate the reserve raisins, but they are separated for later sale. They, are, they, they don't go to the government. They don't — they are separated for later sale. The proceeds they, they, are pulled. What do you mean they don't go to the — does not the government own them? Do, do, do you deny that the government owns them? For, for these purposes, for, for purposes of this case, we concede that the government gets legal title. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the government has the entire interest uh, in the in the raisins. They, the government has legal title so that it may, we will assume for purposes of this case, so that that they, the government can or the the committee. It's not the Secretary of Agriculture. The committee can then sell the raisins. The proceeds of those sales are pooled and distributed back to the producers. The how many? How many? Uh, how much from those sales did uh, did these uh, petitioners acquire in the two years at issue here? Well, in, in how much? How in, much money was given back to them? In, in one year, there was two hundred seventy-two dollars per ton. In the other year, there was there were no proceeds back because Zero. Of the, be, because the uh, cost of administering the reserve program exceeded. Uh, there was no net proceeds afterwards. So over, the, over the history of the program, it starts in 1949, right? Yes. And so in how many years, while the program was in effect, was there a distribution to the, to the growers? I, I do not know that, uh, how many years, but a great number of years. And, in fact, the, the uh, three years leading up to, the, to this a particular uh, time, well, one of the years here was $47 million was, was returned. In the prior years, it was 50-some million and, and another uh, 30-some million. So it, it, the experience has been that there typically has been Mr. Needler, I, too, am troubled, like Justice Alito, about his every fifth telephone or whatever, um, every fifth car or every fifth telephone you have to give to the government. You, I don't know you've answered that question. Is that a taking, or isn't it? And I, and I, it, what's the basis not that distinguishes it from? Because this is a comprehensive governmental program, and and it 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 governs quality, it governs uh, timing of sales, and it's important to recognize that's all that is going on here. The reserve raisins are set aside by the handler. After the um, producer has voluntarily turned them over, they're set aside by the handler for later sale. Petitioners concede in their brief at page 23 that the government can regulate the when, the manner, and the channel of sales. That's exactly what the reserve program does. They're turned over to the handler. The handler sets them aside in reserve. Mr. The Needler, committee then decides when and where to sell them. This, this is a, a historical quirk that you have to defend. You could achieve your, the government's objectives just as you do in most other cases through volume limitations that don't require a physical taking. For whatever reason in the history of the New Deal, this one was set up differently. And so we're here dealing with a classical physical taking. We are not going to jeopardize the marketing, the Agriculture Department's marketing order regime. And by the way, it better be the Department of Agriculture that takes these. You said earlier it's the Raisin Committee, or else you're going to have a lot of trouble in your government speech cases, where you always make the point that these committees are, in fact, the government. Yeah, we're, not, we're not saying the committee is not the government. What I was saying is that the, that the operation of the program is not for the government's benefit. It is for the producer's benefit. Correct. Correct. So it was, it was what adopted is, by producers. Oh, look, look, this is — I'm having trouble with the same thing. I agree so far with what the Chief Justice said. Go back to the New Deal. You can, in fact, burn raisins, the point of which was to have fewer raisins, the result of which was to raise the price of raisins from $100 a pound to, or a bushel to 400 That was thought to make the farmer better off, which it did. And it made the customers worse off. Then someone had a good idea and said it's sort of wasteful to burn raisins. Let's take the raisins we'd otherwise burn and give them to school children. And maybe we could even sell a few. 
And if we do, we'll get that extra money to the farmer, too. Now we have school children with raisins. We have the farmer having more money. Sounds like a pretty good program. Of course, you have taken some raisins. But what I don't see is how either the farmer or the school children are any the worse off. And if they're no worse off, what compensation are these farmers entitled to? Of course, free riders could become yet better off. They could charge at the higher price that the program creates, $800. But after all, that isn't the issue, because you have to have as a rule no free riders. And once you admit that as a rule, everyone, including perhaps these plaintiffs, are better off than none at all. Now, that's a very simple argument. It's what I understand to be the economics of the Brannan Plan, the FDR, the 1949, etc. And yet we've had endless cases, uh, complexities, opinions, and fines, and, and, and therefore I'm probably wrong with my sim simple argument. Of course, I doubt that I'm wrong, but nonetheless, I want you to explain what's wrong with it. We agree with much of what you said, except that it is not, I, I just reiterate, it is not a taking of the race. You want to say it's not a taking? No, it is, no it's a it is a regulatory program classically analyzed under Penn Central because there is a reciprocity of, of advantage, one of the phrases this Court has frequently used, among producers. This does not distinctly affect the petitioners. It applies to all producers. If petitioners are correct, since 1949, Every year there has been a reserve requirement. Every producer has had a per se taking. Mr. Needler, uh, uh, I largely agree with what the Chief Justice said. I mean, just the way I think about this program is that this does seem a weird historical anomaly. And uh, Am I right that all the rest of these agricultural programs are done differently such that saying that this was a taking would not affect other agricultural programs? And, and also, are there any other programs out there — forget agricultural programs — but are there any other programs out there that we should be concerned about if we were to think about this as a taking? Well, I um — with respect to agricultural programs, I, I think there are eight or ten other programs that have reserve uh, provisions in them. Um, I, th I think most of those are not active in the sense that there is currently reserve, just like this one is not. And if, if this one has outlived its usefulness and, and the Committee has not proposed a reserve requirement, the program is working exactly like it should. The Committee, which is responsible, has decided not to impose a reserve requirement. I, but, I'm sorry, but you said that there were eight or ten other programs that y you said they have 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 they they have like this one provisions permitting the use of a reserve system, but like like this one, they are not actively utilizing it. How long have they not been actively utilized? I think I think most of this has been in the last decade. I don't know I don't know precisely. But and one of the things that's happened in the, in this industry in the last ten years is it has changed greatly. You will see from the brief, amicus brief filed by SunMade and the and the. Raisin Bargaining Association, which I commend to your attention, they now believe that the reserve requirement uh, should no longer be, or at least SunMade does, should no longer be instituted. But they also firmly believe that petitioners should not be permitted to be free riders on this program. They were able and, to sell and raisins. If, and, and, Mr. Needle, what of uh, non-agricultural programs? Are there other regulatory programs where the government says produce something that is characterizable as property? Well, the, the, I, I think the most immediately relevant one, which this Court sustained, was in, in the Monsanto case, where you were asking about records and information. That was a case in which, as a condition for uh, marketing pesticides, the manufacturer had to submit information to EPA. Right. Uh, we, we know about that one. Anything else out there? I mean, tell me what the, the realm of regulatory programs is that we ought to be concerned about if we were to say something like the production of something, the production of stuff that somebody claims a property interest in, is it taken? I'm, I'm not specifically aware of other programs, but Monsanto and the requirement to submit information to the government, for example, is, is, uh, is widespread in, in our society. And what the Court basically said there was that if it was known when someone, before they entered commerce and, and applied their application, if they knew 
that the material would be disclosed to the public or used by the government for approving other applications. There was no take. Well, I guess the government can prohibit the, the introduction of harmful pesticides into interstate commerce. I'm not sure it can prohibit the introduction of raisins. I mean, that's, a, you know, dangerous raisins. I, 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 I can understand imposing that condition on Monsanto, and that would not be an unconstitutional condition. Well, that, that was — It seems to me it is when you impose it on raisins. Well, the, 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 the Court's rationale in Monsanto was not based on the fact that it was — that it was uh, — that, that the product was dangerous, although that was obviously the setting. It was the fact that the — that the uh, manufacturer knew when submitting the information to, the, to EPA that it would be subject to uh, disclosure, and therefore its property value uh, either eliminated or appropriated by the government, as it were, uh, for use in evaluating other applications. Well, but what you take from no. Monsanto, and I'm looking at your brief on page 32, and you cite Monsanto, you say that producers who are dissatisfied with the reserve regulations may plant different crops. That's a pretty audacious statement. If you don't like our regulations, do something else. Well, or that's not the only option that they had. They had the option of selling the grapes for other purposes. These the the, the, well, the primary you mean wine, wine or, or, or grape juice. These are, these are the uh, these grapes. The, the overwhelming majority of them, the Thompson seedless grapes, are uh, have a variety of uses, and that's that's one of the things that a grower would take into account. Is would they but be not better only, off with raisins? Not only what we say, if you don't like regulations, you can challenge them in court to see if they comply with the Constitution. The answer, I mean, if the answer is always you can do something else, it would seem we should will never have these kinds of cases. No, but, but uh, uh, this is a substantive point I'm making, not a preclusion of review point. The substantive point is that there is market regulation. People who are growing crops in this industry know what the regulation is, and if they decide — and the, the Horns here have operated under this marketing order for 30 years before they — before they challenge All that's it true. It seems to me what your argument — I'm sorry, Justice Kennedy. It seems to me what your argument is saying is even if it's a taking, it's okay. It'll be okay. Everything will work out. That's what I get from your no, argument. No, our, our, our argument — our fundamental argument is that it is not a taking to begin with because the — the grower — voluntarily submits the total amount of its raisins to the handler. The handler then separates them into, into two quarters, one to be sold now and one to be sold later. But they both have to do with the timing and regulation of sale, which petitioners acknowledge the government can regulate the timing and manner of sales. That's exactly what happens here. There are basically two markets. One is the free market. The other is the tightly regulated market for exports, for uh, other outlets that do not compete with the domestic market. So if you don't like — we're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance in public schools, and we're going to make everybody stand. And if you don't like it, go to a different school. I don't understand why that's not the same analysis here. We may be take you know, this may be a taking of your raisins or not, but if — and if you don't like it, grow something else. Well, Monsanto is not the only case where that was — by the way, I, I do not believe that Nolan cut back on — on the rationale of Monsanto. What the footnote in Nolan said is, we do not regard the ability to build on your property, your real property, to build a house as a, as a governmental benefit. It did not say — in fact, I think it reaffirmed the idea that there was an exchange in Monsanto where the government was giving a benefit of clearing the product for use. Whereas you say that introducing raisins into interstate commerce is a government benefit, right? We, we, we think the regulate the, — the, the regulatory program is a governmental benefit. No, no not the regulatory. You're, you're saying the activity which is subjected to this taking is the introduction of raisins into in state commerce. And you say that is something that the benign government can give or withhold. It is, it is right? the permission to do it, which is exactly really? what the Court said in Monsanto. But Monsanto is not the only case. Ye said the same thing with respect to the — to real property. That was the case involving the mobile home park. Um, and it was claimed there was a taking there because the uh, mobile park owner uh, was subject to rent control. And, and it was argued that that was just like Loretto because it was a forced physical occupation. And the Court said, no, the critical distinction was that the, the Yees had voluntarily chosen to enter the rental market, to enter into a commercial transaction, and the government could then, because they had voluntarily done it, uh, regulate the price that was being charged. Mr. McConnell was asked a number of questions about the Leonard case. Uh, but I take it that you don't think that the Leonard case 
has a very important bearing on this case because you cited one time in your brief it's a passing reference on the issue of uh, fungible goods am i correct there we, we think it's a critical point uh, we are we are not we are not you, you don't think you, you didn't propose you didn't suggest to us that this case is just another version of leonard and therefore we should affirm based on leonard we, to the extent leonard was about tax this this was not uh, this program was not identified as a tax, partly because the raisins don't come to the government. The raisins are, go into a pool that belongs to all of the producers and then is divided up among the producers. This is not — these are not things that are appropriated for the government's own use. But we think Leonard is, is critically instructive for the point that f with respect to property like this, like the oyster shells or like raisins, what the Court said is that they are fungible. Their only value is for commercial sale. This is not like the ownership of real property in Loretto, which is unique and personally identified. These raisins are valuable only for sale. And, in fact, as I said, this order kicks in only when the producer has committed the raisins to sale so, so by put handing all, them to a handler. Put, put all the regulatory aspects of the program aside for a moment and just say this were a much simpler program. And it said um, — uh, the government says to the raisin industry, you know, we could tax you uh, and say you have to deliver 2 percent of your net profits. We're not going to do that. We're just going to take 2 percent of your raisins. Would that be constitutional? Would that be a taking? Uh, that, would, it, that would be, I think, like Leonard. It would be, a, it would be a, a, an in-kind tax. I, th I, th I don't think there's anything that would prohibit uh, that being done, but that's not — I mean, and, and we think the fact that that would be okay is, is, is instructive here, uh, as the Court's discussion of Leonard um, suggests. But the Court but doesn't have to But you said you don't think of this case in that way, and why don't you? Well, it, it's analogous in the sense that, the, that, con that Congress may well be able to do this in a different way. My, the reason I said it was different is that the, that the oysters — the, the raisins, excuse me, are not being used for the government's program. They do not go to school lunch programs. If the government wants raisins, it buys them. It doesn't — it doesn't yeah, — Well, we, we, we don't usually allow committees of producers who are called the government to impose taxes, do we? I mean, that's usually done by Congress. Or, or — and, and this essentially is done by some committee. Right, right. But it's a committee elected by producers. It's important to recognize — Well, hey, so, so they can impose taxes, you're saying. This no, is just like a tax. No, what, what I was — what I was saying is that the, the, there are other — the government may well be able to impose something uh, — some exaction as a tax, but this is a regulatory program adopted by producers. Again, it's important to recognize, and this goes back to the New Deal. This Court has had numerous cases involving these marketing orders. Whatever a majority of producers agree to, I have to be bound by? I mean, these people disagree. They do, they do disagree, but the disagreement does not convert it into a taking. And if they, if they believe the program is not operating well, correctly, th then there are there are other. I'm not saying the disagreement converts it into taking. I'm just saying that it doesn't it doesn't carry much water to say that this is a program adopted by by producers. If 51 percent of the producers want to do it, there's 49 that don't want to do it. Well, I, I think it's a pr it's a pretty good indication that that. The premises on which Congress enacted this statute in 1937 uh, operated then and operated, operate now for the benefit of producers. And it shouldn't be necessary in any one particular year in which the regulatory program is in place to calibrate whether the benefits outweigh the burdens. Well, I think — Central planning was thought to work very well in 1937, and Russia tried it for a long time. Well, if, if — Again, if this program is, is not working, it can be modified. And, in fact, the committee comprised of producers has decided not to impose a reserve requirement. Well, I mean, you've, you've made the point several times that the government sells these raisins for the benefit of the producers, right? right. Well, what if the producers, some of them, think they can do a better job of selling them? They can get a better price because they're better producers, they're better marketers, uh, they have export contacts that others don't? I, I, the, 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 this is just standard regulation. The, the, what Congress has said is you, if you're going to sell, you have to sell in the manner set up under this program. And the, 
the portion that's not usually what when you're talking about that type of regulation i understand that you know the raisins have to be so big or you can't call them raisins and they've got to have safety inspections and all but you've been presenting this is the reason this is a good program is because we sell the raisins and then we give some of what's left to the to the producers i don't think that's a very common approach to market regulation there, there 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 are two pools of raisins and and how you how you treat or how you uh, implement the notion that there are two different pools of raisins may vary, but the, but where you have that, the, the similarities are much more fundamental. You have what are the free tonnage raisins, which are which the grower is immediately paid for and the handler can immediately put on the market. But there was a judgment made when this when this marketing order was established, and SunMade and, and the Raisin uh, Association believe it was still true during these years that if you if you have a big surplus as there was around the turn of the century, uh, it would make the prices plummet if those uh, extra raisins were put on the on the open market because the demand for raisins is inelastic. So what co- what this marketing order does is it estimates wh- where it operates, it estimates what the free tonnage requirement will be, and that is completely open to the market. The reserve raisins, uh, if you they're, they're essentially valueless because you don't need them to satisfy the existing market. You take them off the market to prop up the prices of the, of the um, free tonnage raisins, and then the committee will sell them when they will not undermine or in a manner that will not undermine the free tonnage. Suppose the same yeah. sort of program were carried out with respect to real property. Would you, would you provide the same answer? Suppose that property owners, owners of real property in a particular area, think that the value of their property would be increased if they all surrendered a certain amount of that property to the government for the purpose of producing a, a creating a park or for some other reason. And so uh, they, they get the municipality to, uh, to set up this program, and one of them objects to surrendering this part of that person, uh, of, of his or her land. Would, would that not be a taking? I think real uh, property would be fundamentally different. Well, well why would it be fun- — I thought you said you're not arguing that there's a difference between real property and personal property. We're not saying there's a categorical difference, but I think, I think the Lucas decision is very instructive there, that when, when the Court was talking about the ability to regulate real property, it said that there's a big difference between real property and personal property, at least personal property uh, being used for commercial purposes, which might even be rendered valueless by virtue of governmental regulation. So we Mr. Neither, what's the statute of limitations on a takings claim? Six years, I think it would be. Um, Has there been any um, reserves created in the last six years? Uh, I think the last one was 2009, 2010. Um, I, I wanted to correct one fact. Explain to me why, why, why the market for raisins is inelastic. You mean people won't buy more raisins if they're cheaper? What? That's basically correct. It's really? just a, it's just a quality of, it's just a quality of raisins, and there, there's a limited set of outlets. There, raisins now are primarily used as as food um, ingredients in raisin bran and 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 things like that, and the price the price doesn't affect uh, demand. Um, and, and therefore, if you put a great surplus on the domestic market, the prices, prices will crater. And so the, this has a very sensible um, um, approach. Mr. Nieder, you don't have to convince us that this is a sensible program for you to prevail, do you? No, no we do not. The question we could think that this is a ridiculous program. Isn't that right? Pardon? I'm, I'm sorry. We could think that you this could is think a ridiculous, this is a, a ridiculous program. program, but it is one that has been around since 1949, and petitioner's argument again means that every grower since 1949 has had a per se takings. Ms. Nita, I like it doesn't help your case that it's ridiculous, though. You you acknowledge that. It is not. It, it is not. Let, let me be clear. A ridiculous program. This, but this is a serious point, actually, because the ridiculousness or sensibleness of a program is really not for us to decide. Yes, I, I, I agree with that uh, completely. I mean, I, that is our — this is a regulatory program and should be thought of under this Court's regulatory Ms. jurisprudence. Mr. Needler, you asked this before, but uh, your answer wasn't clear. Marketing orders of this sort that have a reserve pool, you said there were eight or ten of them. Have any others been operative as this one has been? This was started in '49, and how yeah, many? They have been operative in the past. Most of them are not operative. Uh, operative in the sense that the reserve 
this is my understanding that the reserve provision has been triggered. Those is the government selling the reserve. Um, I, I think it's I think it's true of maybe several others. I'm not sh- I'm not sure. Some of them have to do with the handler difference between the handler and the producer. I wanted to correct. How many? Just well, go ahead. I wanted to correct a, a, a factual error on the computation. So there was suggestion in, in the one year there was $810 was the field price, and because of the mathematical calculations. Uh, the claim was the petitioners would have been better off without the reserve. That's not correct. The mistake there is the assumption that all the raisins would have been sold at the field price if they were all put on the market. And that's, that, that's just inconsistent with the premise of the order, that the only reason that there is a, a high field price for the free tonnage uh, raisins is that the other ones are taken off the market. So they would not have, they would not have um, uh, been recovered in that way. How many, how, how many of these programs are there of marketing orders? Um, I think there are scores of them. Um, I, I mean, I'm trying to put the eight to ten in relation to, to, to how many. I, I don't know the total number, but I, 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 we can follow that up with a supplemental letter. I, 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 think, I think there are scores of them. But this is not fundamentally different from the others. And again, the government is not acquiring these raisins for itself. The government doesn't actually keep them in its possession. It just tells the handler to keep them and sell them later rather than selling them now. And that is not an appropriation of private property. Thank you, Counsel. Uh, Mr. McConnell, you have five minutes remaining. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, So several things have been cleared up. Uh, The government now does concede that the government takes legal title uh, uh, to the raisins. Uh, the government does abjure an argument with trustees all the time. I mean, to the extent that we've eschewed taking formal titles as meaningful with respect to actual control or actual benefit, we trustees take title and, but it's not for their benefit. It's for the benefit of their beneficiary. Um, uh, the. That's true, Justice Sotomayor, but the taking the the, the government is not a trustee here. And uh, the — Oh, but but in a form, yes. It's directed to sell the reserve raisins at the best price it can get, given the limitations on the free market. It sells for the best price, and then it uses the proceeds for its own regulatory purpose. You have only four minutes in rebuttal. You had some other points? Uh, uh, just as to the factual point, uh, it is not — our calculations are not based upon uh, selling all of the raisins at the field price. Our calculations are based upon being able to sell all the raisins at the price that the Secretary has said would be the price in an unregulated market, which is uh, uh, $747 per ton. Uh, and that is uh, — it is certainly not true that these reserve raisins are valueless. Uh, they are an extremely valuable commodity. And in most of the years, uh, the producers of the raisins receive absolutely nothing uh, for them. The important point here, though, is that is that it is not any less of a taking, even if there is a benefit. I have no doubt, for example, that in Loretto, uh, that the value of the apartment went up because there was a cable, because it became cable ready for its uh, for its tenants. That did not make it any less of a taking, uh, as this is a per se taking. And any benefits only go to whether there might be some kind of implicit in kind. Uh, a compensation as a result of the benefit. And if this were an imminent domain proceeding, I think that that might well be relevant. This is, in fact, only an administrative enforcement action in which the question is uh, whether the Department of Agriculture was entitled under the Constitution to demand either the raisins or their monetary equivalent without any payment of, uh, uh, of, of compensation. That last. Well, wh- 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 why isn't it for them to make that argument? Uh, because they do the, the argument, you know, it, that it's, you're better off, etc. Uh, if you would look at the uh, — uh, Is they waive it? I mean, what's, what's — what's No, the no, it's the regulation. I'm, I'm sorry. If you look at uh, 7 CFR 989.166C, mm-hmm. 
you will see that that is the provision for what happens when the handler does not turn over reserve raisins to the Department of Agriculture. It is it has very specific provisions for what happens, and there is no provision in that for implicit in-kind contra- uh, compensation. But you see, can they argue that you, the fact that all the raisin producers are better off because of this program, including you, but no free riders? Mm-hmm. That's what's the compensation. Can they at least argue that, or have they conceded that? Uh, under this regulation, I do not think it is open to the Department of Agriculture to argue that. I think that that would be a logical argument if this were an imminent domain proceeding and we were simply trying to figure out what the proper value of the raisins is. Reserving, of course, the point that we believe that this program does not benefit uh, the producer. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, believe yeah. that the we believe that this program actually makes the producers demonstrably worse off. The only people who benefit from this program are the recipients of the subsidy of the export subsidies. The exporters. That's right. Mr. McConnell, could I take you back to the very first thing that you said in this argument? Because you said typically the handler doesn't take the product, and the handler doesn't pay for the product, uh, and you would think that. The horns here would only have a takings claim, assuming that they do have a takings claim, for the raisins that they produced and not for the raisins that other people produced. But you said that that's not correct in this case? It is not, because they pay the — a check went out from the Raisin Marketing Association to the producers for every raisin, not just the the free tonnage raisins, but for the reserve uh, uh, tonnage raisins as well. So the horns are actually the the only people with a financial interest in the raisins in this case. That Uh, is unusual. Mr. McConnell, this is probably neither here nor there, but what has the impact of the drought been on the raisin producers? Do you know? Uh, It is uh, not good. Very carefully guarded response. <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder if I'll be able to take a shower when I go home. Thank you, counsel. The case is submitted.